Hey everybody, Alex here. Before we hop into this podcast, I just want to talk really quick about how you can get more involved. You're going to hear us talk about um, some of our hot takes from every food is either a whole food salad or sandwich. Um, we had some real guest interaction there. We had a lot of guest interaction from what Cameron should put in his lamp. Um, if there's anything that infuriates you or intrigues you or you want any recommendations to us, you can always reach out at Plain Sight underscore pod on all the socials or plainsightpod at gmail.com to send us your hopes, dreams, thoughts, and prayers and fears. And we would love to hear from you, maybe put you on the pod. So uh, we're excited. This is a super fun one. We got a lot going on. We're talking about T-Swift, the one and only. We're talking folklore. We're trying to be relevant. We're trying to be current. And we're doing the best we can. So let's do this. Sharknado, taking the chainsaw of the spirit to the enemy's storm. Get the chainsaw of the spirit up in the storm's guts and cut your friend out from inside. Oh, I could get in on this. I think the spirit of confetti inside my lamp makes it like a see-through pinata, almost. You gotta talk lamp. Alright, so podcast. What's going on, everybody? My name is Alex Sons, and you're listening to the Plain Sight Podcast. I'm here with my good old buddies, my good old pals, as always, Cam Jordan. Cam, what up? What's up, man? I'm just sitting here enjoying my salad. <laughs> yes! We'll and never not talk to, about it now. You'll have to follow us on the socials at Plainsight underscore pod to get any of that joke. Uh, Zachary Kuyat, Zach, how are you? Oh, I'm having a great time. I'm happy to be here. That's good. Cam? I didn't have a bit to come in with. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know if you were going to be. You're still chopping on that Snickers bar. Yeah, I'm still chopping on that bar really pretty heavily. <laughs> <laughs> so during the, the podcast prep, uh, we basically came to uh, a realization that Cam has a lot of stuff that we need to just address at the top. So before mm-hmm. we get into anything else, <clears throat> we're going to have Cam's Fun Time Corner. And Cam's Fun Time Corner. That's corner. a song. <laughs> um, and so, Cam, what do you have for us? Yeah. Today? Well, first of all, um, well, okay, I'll ask y'all, what do you want to start with? We can You're go choking over on our... a nougat. <laughs> <laughs> Munching on them peanuts right in the top of the show. Yeah, I'm going to stop eating my Snickers salad. Um, yeah, good call. So we can either go over my podcast suggestion first, or we can go over our results for our what should I put in my lamp. Lamp. Okay, so I, I think, yeah, I think your podcast suggestion might either disappoint me or really excite me. So well, I want some time to <laughs> chew on that. Let's do, let's talk about the lamp first. We got uh, last lamp. podcast, Cam, you asked what we should put in your very clear vase-like lamp. Um, and we got some answers, didn't we? Yeah, I got, I've got three here that I, I really, really enjoy. Mm, let's narrow these um, down. Okay. The first one is confetti. I just think that's fun. I uh-huh. think the spirit of confetti inside my lamp makes it like a see-through pinata almost. Now, hold on. The spirit of confetti and confetti is not the same. Do you want confetti or do you want ghost confetti inside Sorry, the lamp? The spirit that the confetti inside my lamp would bring. I'll put it um, that way. I'm going to put in a new su- submission, and that's ghost confetti. I don't yeah, know that yeah. means, I like ghost confetti. Forget lamp. the other two. Um, well, no, these other two are pretty good. The second one is nerds, and I think they were talking the candy, but I like the idea of putting little smart scientist first graders in my lamp. Putting some dweebs inside of your lamp. (laughs) Putting a a bunch of geeks in your lamp. (laughs) Um, so I like that one. The other one I really like is just smaller lamps, which... Oh, I like it. You need to get... A small version of the exact same lamp and then an even smaller, smaller version of the exact same lamp that can go in the base of the small lamp inside like the base the, of your normal size lamp. And what are the little dolls? Can you get a big just... one oh, that this I'm current sure. lamp can go into? Probably. That's what we need. I bet and we I, could I, find I, that. Yeah, I guess probably not. Mm, you don't I think, think I can find you, a... If you dream it and you believe it, you can see it. <laughs> Speaking of nonsense, today we're talking about Taylor Swift. Wait, can I give you my podcast suggestion first? I just wanted to make a Taylor Swift joke, of course. You can give me oh, a suggestion. <laughs> uh, my podcast is simply Sharknado taking the chainsaw of the spirit to the enemy's storm. Oh! Wow. Get okay. I just really want to do a Sharknado nope. podcast. <laughs> Get the chainsaw of the spirit up in the storm's guts and cut your friend out from inside of it. That's exactly the Sharknado pods. 
I well see, so wasn't the chainsaw attached to their arm? Not until the, the third sequels. ones. <laughs> Not until the sequels. Okay, so we would. They're be also on the, the moon. Oh, we could do a whole Sharknado series. That's Zach. Zach and I could series. probably do it off the cuff. That either gets our Honestly, podcast really off the ground, or it drives us into nothingness. Yeah, I think Great we might be a couple years too late for the shark to ride the Sharknado train. I don't know. That level you of nonsense have said wave. worked. For you had Sharknado. the opportunity to say ride the Sharknado wave, and you said train. You know that I did. <laughs> this all came to me when somebody showed me a picture of a fire tornado, and I realized that. A Sharknado in 2020 is not off the table. I have not ruled that scenario out yet. <laughs> I, I mean, believe that it's very honestly, possible now, if ever. Did you see the Firenado? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was terrifying. Nothing is off the table anymore this year. It's going to be like Godzilla in October, and there, we're, nobody's even going to be surprised by it. Dude, what's yeah. next? A global pandemic? I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, at this point, anything like insane and crazy could happen, and I wouldn't be shocked if it was like, oh, all of you know, all of Tasmania is on fire, and there's nothing we can do about it. I'd be like, well, yeah, that fits. But if it was like everybody gets five dollars, or like we're handing out free sandwiches, I I would be stunned because this year is so nonsense and backwards. <laughs> yeah, I really no think whatever whatever's been hiding in the bottom of the ocean for eternity is coming up this year. Clearly, yeah. This is when it's going to happen. We've tempered with the fates far too long, and it's only a matter of time before something truly horrifying comes to take us to our doom. So, I'm going to let you end on that. So, speaking (laughs) of the unexpected in 2020, a certain someone dropped an out-of-nowhere album at the snap of a finger. Many T-Swifters woke up very, very excited. Myself included. <laughs> Do you guys think we should talk about it? I would, I would love, love to. to. Zach, tell us about Taylor Swift. Oh, just in general? Man. Yeah. What an interesting career Taylor Swift has had because there's those early albums, you know, here we go, the, the self-titled, the Speak Now, um, some of those really early projects of hers that are so country, and it... The more that we get from her, the more it feels like somebody was trying to make her be super country. Because then we got Red, and we got 1989, and we learned this new dimension where it's like, actually, she wants to be a pop singer who's who also wants to be an adult. And then we got Reputation, and Reputation is, like, kind of angrier and intense. It's like and then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, just a new Taylor Swift album appears in the world, and it's called Folklore, and she does that thing where you don't capitalize the first letter of an album because you're... It's a Visco girl and you're a hipster. It is. It's a Cam and, album. And apparently hey, I'm a Visco girl because I, I think the album is incredible. <laughs> I, I heard a take about this album, and it's that um, this album only ever existed because the idea of concerts was closed down. Because because mm, you would she wouldn't be able to tour it the same. No, this is not an album that you perform in a major venue, Sprint Center or or any any major like concert venue. It only exists because she could do it without having to worry about selling tickets. Yeah, I'm with you, and and I think maybe we're just learning something about the music industry here. But I think it's really cool that we get to kind of peek behind the curtain and see what an album like that is like, where people don't have to worry about it being performable. And, and even in some ways, I think artists right now don't have to necessarily worry about something being immensely popular. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, you still want your album to be good and you want people to listen to it. But at the same time, I think artists are very aware of the fact that they kind of have a captive audience right now. And because there's so little new stuff happening, I think even if this album hadn't been as good as it is, people probably still would have listened to it because there's nothing else to do. So I might as well listen to the right. new Taylor Swift album. Well, now, this even, one happened to also be good, so it worked out. Sure. <laughs> I mean, even you set aside all of that. This is like her eighth album, right? It's something nuts. 
Yeah. Yeah, she's got a lot. So once you once you get there, right, you saw you saw Mayor do the same thing. Um is you basically can do whatever you want because you're going to make money regardless. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that pressure to be good doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. Because yeah, obviously you want the Grammys, want all the other stuff, and sure you could make a couple more tens of millions of dollars, <laughs> but really I think you're going to be okay regardless, and you can just do whatever you want and be happy. Yeah, you're established to that degree. You're not so beholden to the whims of a fan base. Mm, What vocabulary, Zach? As he applies his chapstick. I needed it. No, I think think Mexican food and my my lips are spicy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) moving on. Um... Here's the thing, I'm not I'm not a Swifter. I'm not big into T Swift, and there's one reason and one reason only. <laughs> Dear She John. has a John Mayer diss track. Okay. <laughs> she does and have a John Mayer diss track. Anyone who has a John Mayer diss track, I'm not a fan of. <laughs> because that's my boy. Yeah. And even but, if he was in the wrong, which I'm gonna guess in that time period he was probably almost hundred percent in the wrong. Yeah, I'm 100%. just I'm looking at um playing like a bit of a numbers game between the two of them. And he was clearly in the wrong in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the numbers game. We don't need to talk about. Uh huh. No, there's, (laughs) there's nothing unsavory, but clearly he was the, the adult in the situation. (laughs) So I was never a big Taylor Swift guy, uh, solely because she wrote mean things about John Mayer. (laughs) <laughs> and John Mayer ended up writing a diss track back. Okay, yeah. and that's and it's that's, real good. It's so good. It it's is beautiful. Someone's gonna paint you another sky. Mm. You um, explicit. Um, but <laughs> just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this podcast is getting off to a great start. But anyways, uh, I listened to this for this podcast, and I gotta say, I do kind of enjoy it. It's oh, very vibey. It's really mm-hmm. good. It's yeah. very vibey. You got some Bon Iver in there. Um, which was, sure it made my heart happy. His voice about that. is actual gold. I love it. So uh, there's something about, I'm very visual when it comes to sounds, right? I feel like I attach a color to every sound. Mm. Uh, there's something that works very well for me when the album art looks the way it should. I absolutely if agree that makes with that sense. statement. In this it case. looks the way the album sounds. You see the album art, and sometimes you can be really swayed into how is this going to sound, especially mm-hmm. me. Like, it almost gives me an emotion right there, like, gives me a preparation for how it's going to sound. But you see this album art, and then the music fits it perfectly. It Every really well single done. song. Yeah. Very well you. done. Um,. Gosh, and there's a lot to dig into. So, guys, I'm just gonna I'm gonna open the floor. I'm gonna let us talk, and we're gonna see just the little scrape of all the things that we could say. <laughs> I hope we put this on the socials because my little finger is very your little little finger wag. It's entertaining. Your to little, me, little finger wag. Little inchworm. The shining finger. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about it, Zach. Go. Um. Yeah, I think this album is is really interesting because you can tell the difference between some of the early like studio dictated I'm a young artist stuff and this one that feels so deeply personal. Um, it, it feels like it's being written from some really honest and genuine places. Um, whereas even the later albums, even you know, Reputation. Um, while I think she has more creative control than she used to, I think there's still um, a little bit of a facade put onto that album. Whereas this one feels like it's all stripped back away and there's some real just honesty um, in in this song uh, album. And I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk at all about one of the biggest songs on the album, and that's Cardigan, um, which is, again, I think beautiful... Um, it, 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 there's just something about it that is so like, I, I don't want to say honest again, cause I keep saying honest, but there's something so universal, I think about just this idea of, first of all, a lyric that maybe it's because I am young, but 
that I really like is that repeated when you are young, they assume you know nothing. Yeah. Um, and when we talk, we're talking about stuff in the context of the church. Um, and while obviously there is wisdom that comes with age, um, you know, we're told that uh, gray hair is a crown of wisdom in the Bible. So it, it, it's fair to say that wisdom does come with time. However, there's also important, you know, knowledge and wisdom in youth, I think. And we, we miss that a lot, that even though we are young, there is still something value to contribute. But the, the real point of the song, I think, is that the refrain that is the title of the song, and she says, um, I felt like I was an old cardigan under someone's bed, but you put me on and said I was your favorite. Um, which... What a cutesy indie lyric. <laughs> that the, the symbolism there is picture perfect. It's it's so nice and it's it's so cheesy, but also I just really like it. But I do think it's a really interesting picture of of what it is to find your value as a believer. I think it's really easy for us to to get to the point on ourselves when it's like we are worthless, we're not able to have this impact, we can't X, Y, and Z, because there's a lot of things that we as just human beings can't do. Um, I hope that's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, there's a lot of things that we as individuals cannot do. Um, and, and Pat that, your head and rub your belly. <laughs> well, okay, well, some of us can do that. But <laughs> hold on, quick. <laughs> quick one. Okay, we quick, can all do everybody. it. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all play enough instruments to be able to separate things enough to be able to do that. <laughs> That's a really good point. But there, there is so much value, I think, in in getting our worth from something that is not just ourselves. You know, that song is talking about understanding how someone else views you and how someone else sees you, and when you know when we enter into this faith and and being a part of this uh, community of believers as well, we get to take on a different entity that values us in a different way. Whether that's the church and the believers that we're you know in community with, or whether that is God and and the way that He values us, that is so exponentially beyond the way that we often value ourselves. I just I think that's a cool um a, a cool way to look at this song in the context of this podcast that we do. I think so it's really you talk about being young. Um uh, a big staple for me like one of probably like one of the biggest like grapples I've had with life and leadership is I I went to ministry when I was 17. And so I left my parents church to go lead when I was 17 and I was leading a worship team with people that were way more successful and older as human beings than I was. I was still supposed to lead them and for like a long time like even still now sometimes like I have such it was such a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm young, but I can still be a leader. Yes, I'm young, but I can still do this. Yes, I'm young, but I still have perspective. And I think what I will say is, and this isn't necessarily the, like you were saying, like once once you kind of understand you're in a situation that understands you and you understand your own self-worth and what you bring to the table, maybe you don't feel as much the need to prove it to everyone. Yeah. Right? I felt such a need to prove to everyone that I was a worthy leader or that I was smart or that I had insight or that I could do this, that I was almost combative in a bunch of meetings. <laughs> I was angry a lot. I talked too much and a lot of times would say stupid things because I was trying so hard to sound smart. And it was once I was able to, in a situation where someone, I knew someone believed in me, and I knew someone um, was allowing me to lead for a reason, then I was able to kind of take a deep breath and just kind of do what I do, where instead of not trying to prove myself. And that's not exactly what the song is getting into, but I think 
it's a lot like you talk about the imagery of putting on the cardigan and first off all lowercase cardigan is the most indie title name of all time absolutely it yeah, is without a doubt <laughs> my goodness but the the imagery of being able to enable someone else as a leader as a leader as With a leader, an o. <laughs> or whatever it is they feel like they're called to do as a human as a christian um I know how good that feels, and sometimes when I hear about things like that, it makes me realize that I need to be way more cognizant of the way that I'm, of whether I'm doing that to other people, whether I am feeding into others, whether I'm being that person that is allowing the people around me to live out the lives they feel like they are, or whether I'm making them feel like they have to live up to my expectations of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this this last week, I, I just started my my masters and and there's this thing that we've talked about a lot this week and it's just this idea of imposter syndrome this idea of like convincing yourself i am not qualified to be in this area everybody around me is is qualified and i in this seat am an imposter and it's important Mm -hmm. enough that i had multiple professors talk about it this week the first week they're like we need to establish this like you do belong here and I'm curious how the church is pushing this idea of getting imposter syndrome out of the pews. Because I think a lot of people show up and sit in the church and are thinking, I don't belong here. And, and I'm not fit to, to be in this role, whether it's as a leader in the church or it's as just somebody visiting who's like, I'm curious about this whole God thing. But we get this idea of I'm not fit to, to be here. I'm not qualified. And it, it takes leadership to be able to create an environment where people genuinely feel, hey, I, I, I am qualified. Or the more, I guess, accurate idea of I don't need to be qualified in this instance. How are we creating mm, yeah. that atmosphere that truly welcomes people? And I think that comes with um, being young. That's a, that's a fear of a lot of us. So how are we going to create that environment for everybody else? Yeah, I like that. That's a really good point. I mean, that idea of imposter syndrome is something that, you know, I'm I'm an actor, Alex. I know a musician. That I'm sure that's not foreign to you either, that no matter how established you feel like you've gotten yourself, or like for me, I have a degree in it, but there's still that idea, you know, you show up in, in a room where you're talking to casting directors and that kind of thing. Are you talking to producers? And even though I, you know, have done the training, I've put in the work, I have a very expensive piece of paper that says, I know how to do this. I can still walk into that room and go like, Oh, everybody else here is better than me. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just as possible walking into the church and going, Oh, well, everybody else here is better than me. I have, issues that none of these people are dealing with everybody else here is is so much more put together than i am so i probably don't belong here when in reality the church should be a building by broken people for broken people and everybody is just working to be one day better than yesterday yeah yeah that's so actually there's this thing i was reading or listening to i'm gonna if I can remember, I'll try and find a place to give credit, but I can't remember who it was. It's, it was this thought that came up with, okay, so the church, right now, the way the church is, there's a model, and then you volunteer to help in certain ministries or certain, certain areas, and that's how you find your purpose in the church. And so sometimes, mm-hmm. well, if I don't have any talents, then I guess I'm going to run the camera, <laughs> or I guess I'm going <laughs> to greet people. Yeah, you know, and it and it makes people feel as if they're less than, and if there's a tier to volunteering at the church, and it was this thought that was posed: where what would the church look like if instead of that, the church actively sought out what the callings and passions were of their congregation, and their way of getting them involved was to rally around those and support them and figure out how the church can be a part of taking whatever their passions are into the community around them. So instead of bringing people in to volunteer in the church, instead finding out what it is that makes the people in their congregation tick and finding ways to get the church out and doing their thing. 
And it was a yeah. really kind of eye-opening because obviously there's this thing in ministry where a lot of times people come to you with ideas and you'll shake your head and nod and say yes and say, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll bring it up in the next meeting. But inside you're like, there's no way I'm doing that. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, but there is a point where that almost makes us so uh, calloused to where we really don't listen and open up to hear what is it the church can be doing that's different from our normal day-to-day operations. Yeah. You know, outside of a vision casting meeting, like what is uh, John in the third row? Like what is, how can we support him? You know? I think the, the flip side of this idea actually is presented again in folklore in the song Mirrorball. I, I oh, think um, nailed it. And and, mm. and and this song. So this is one that I was actually like looking through Instagram, and there was this. Um, it was like a every what every enneagram type like which song can you relate to? And mine said Mirrorball as a three, and so I went and looked at it, and like I was amazed at how accurate that was. And and just like one of the first lines is. Um, I just want you to know I'm a mirror ball. I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. And obviously in this context, Taylor's talking a relationship. I mean, it's, it's a romantic relationship. She goes on in the bridge um, and says, after they called off the circus, they burned the disco down, they send everybody home. I'm still on that trapeze. I'm still trying everything to keep you looking at me. And I, I think to me, it presented this idea of, if we're looking at it through the lens of the church, of like performative action. Um, I mm, think the yeah. church is extremely good at doing things that look like they're the right thing without having the heart behind it. And I think we see this in society. This isn't just a church issue. Um, we'll paint Black Lives Matter on the, the street, but what are we doing to present black history in our classrooms? Not much. Yeah. It's, it's this idea of like, what is this, what sustainable progress is happening versus just like performative action that's leading to nothing. And I think presenting people with just what they want to see, like Mirrorball is suggesting this, I'm going to show you the version of you. I'm going to mirror your actions so we can be on the same wavelength, wavelength, but you're never going to see who's holding the mirror. Like, mm, yeah. So as a church, you know, what good is it to have a pastor up there every single day who is in the back of the church having an affair on the weekdays? Oof, but he that presents oddly specific. But he's presenting <laughs> an idea that he's perfect. And I'm not saying a pastor should get up on the stage and pretend like, you know, I don't want to hear them say, oh, I cheated on my wife last night. But I do want them to get up and not act like they're perfect and Mm -hmm. not present this idea of performative action. Because then going back to Cardigan, how are we creating an environment that people can walk in and not feel lesser than? If there's not transparency and there's not vulnerability and we don't see who's holding up the mirror. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like what we talked about last week is what's, what is real transparency and what is Christian transparency. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, we've sort of talked about this before about leadership too, is that obviously we want leadership to be able to be held accountable and, and to be honest about, you know, maybe not graphically honest, but honest about the fact that they have shortcomings um, yeah. but at the same time, I think a lot of, a lot of the church is unwilling to support its leadership in a way that is actually, um, is actually helpful in that process. Because I think so often, like we talked about with, um, the irreverence guys a couple weeks ago is that, you know, people want to be around their pastor and want to feel like they have a friendship, but not actually connect with them. They don't want to talk about new music or new movies coming out. They want to talk about something about the church. They want to talk about whatever that thing is. They need to talk about their own spirituality or get something off their chests that they're, you know, uncomfortable with. And I think it's a shortcoming of sometimes the way that the church is organized. So this is probably a much larger conversation than 
I can really make sense of right now. But just the fact that we ask so much of our leadership in the church, but have such a hard time supporting them, I think is a lot of times what leads to that, um, that idea that we, they will reflect the mistakes of us, but we will never see the mistakes of them until it blows up in somebody's face. Well, yeah. I mean, I think if you just even look at the church and where it's come since we were kids, I mean, when, when we were younger, the cool thing was to have the biggest building, but now our generation is desperate for the intimacy that comes with, you know, a number of pastors and, and a smaller number of, of people in the congregation. That's why church plants are, are so big and, and multi-site churches because our generation is desperate for that intimacy. We don't want to sit in the mm-hmm. back row of a church with 3,000 people and, and not feel connected. And so you can see how the church has, has made that change. And, you know, I, I look at um, you know, New Spring Church out in South Carolina a while back, maybe five years ago, their pastor left. And the first thing they said, they're like, yeah, he started this church, but the church isn't about him. And they didn't mm-hmm. miss a beat. They grew in that time of transition. You know, the, the typical church words that we throw around, they grew because they realized that like the leadership of the church and, and the, the vision of the church wasn't up to him. It was, it was up to God and he was the leader of the church. And so they didn't put the pressure on him. So when he failed, they were able to move on just fine. And I don't think a lot yep. of churches are, are operating that same way. It's kind of a, it's kind of a cool, you guys just put attention out there um, to use pastor talk. I feel like a lot of times I, I just, my, it's my job to come in here and use pastor talk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys presented this tension of how we need to be able to support our young folk or support our young creatives. I, that's something I'm very passionate about is where has the church gone as far as they don't um, have that connection with young creatives they used to. But in the same way, how is it that our congregations may be failing our leaders by putting them up to a standard that is unattainable? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like to say, like, pastors are people too, but we don't actually mean it, you know? Right. And so pastors are people too until they do something that I would do and then I don't understand because I'm not a pastor. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, like, yeah, they're people too, but they're just a little different kind of people. But there's this tension of you guys talk about when the things like the affairs happen and the awful things that you see with pastors all over the country where this crazy thing comes out, um, the James McDonald's, the Bill Hybels, the Mark Driscoll's, Mm -hmm. all of those, right? I can name them for days and days. But um, where this thing comes out, and I think a lot of that is attributed to the fact that we've held pastors to such a high unattainable standard that everything gets pushed down to the bottom. And when everything has to be hidden, then the things that they they just get bigger and bigger. It never gets addressed. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up becoming this gross, nasty thing you never expected. And so although, sure, the church does need to do a better job of supporting um, several people in in their congregations, I think the church, capital C, congregation, the people that are in the pews, are there pews? Um, That are in the seats, um, the socially distant seats uh, that... We need to do a better job of setting real standards for our pastors and being a little more forgiving. And that way, the first time we find out any pastor is living in a sin, we don't completely kick them off and not let them do their job. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. Because then it becomes to a place where it is something so bad that they, yeah, they probably should not be doing their job. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. But they're so scared that if anything ever comes out where they failed, that they'll lose their job. They won't be allow permission to lead and I think that's something where I think a lot of people might disagree with me but I think pastors should be able to fail in certain areas and still be pastors Um, and because that can't happen they end up that ends up growing into something that's far worse than it ever began yeah and I think just nipped it in the bud it would have been fine right I think that idea of pastors failing a lot of times will will confuse people because what they're used to is the version of it where they're not allowed to discuss their failures until 
it has gotten to the point that someone else found out about something independently and their failure was consuming them. Or they if, conquered it. Right. But if, if we're willing to accept that those people are also people and are also human and daily have to go through those same, you know, struggles that the rest of us do and have someone to be accountable with them and have someone to, you know, keep them in check and for them to share those things with all of a sudden it doesn't become so terrifying that our pastor might not be a a literal angel, you know? Well, I I think that really, (laughs) I really think that is kind of the, the symbolism that we're seeing in, in Mirabal at the end where she says, and when I break, it's in a million pieces. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, pastors spend their whole career holding up this mirror and showing the congregation the best parts of them they're never seeing the pastor for who they truly are they're seeing the best parts of themselves and eventually when the pastor gets tired and breaks it's into a million pieces that you really can't pick up and it's all because we never wanted to see past the mirror itself and i think you know again taylor's clearly talking you know a romantic relationship here but i think for us uh, we can look at it so many ways. We can look at it as, you know, what we're showing God. We can look at it as our relationship with our, our pastor. And I, I think there's so many different ways to, to take it. Our family, our friends, what are we allowing ourselves to be uh, transparent with? Yeah, that's really good. And I, I do think we have to talk about one thing. I would be very irritated with us and disappointed us if we did not talk about um, all of the... Uh, especially in the dynasty song uh very pro woman and i want us to really really point (laughs) that out because i don't want us to just glaze over that because by doing that we would be pushing it under as the song is saying that people Mm -hmm. have doing a disservice to the album too i think 100 percent without a doubt so the the line in there that i think is most convicting and heartbreaking is it's 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 telling this story right and we can dive a little bit more into that but in the end the end of the course is that she had a marvelous time ruining everything (laughs) yeah um and it's very from a high scale it's it's very convicting to me it's something over the last couple of years that um you guys can be as comfortable as you want to talk about this. I think you guys are both very comfortable to talk about this. Um, we all grew up Baptist, um, where women in leadership is not very common. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times frowned upon. I mean, the, the newest Baptist rules completely outlaw it. Yes. And so the thing is here, it was like this unveiling of, Alex, what is it you've been saying all these years as a teenager? Um, when I was like, oh, wait women are extremely capable leaders and extremely capable humans because they are just humans the same way that we are. And in a lot of ways, so much better than we will ever be. Um, (laughs) And I think the church still has a lot to go here. But for me, anytime I'm, when anytime I'm looking to go to a new church or someone, or I'm applying at a church or anything like that, the first thing I do is look at the staff to see, um, basically to make sure it's not all uh, white men. <laughs> to get down to it. Uh, diversity in gender, diversity in uh, race, but specifically like we're talking about here, the church has done a very poor job, and I think we're getting better mm-hmm. in some sectors of being able to uplift and not only support women, but follow them because they are more than capable leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I think that sort of speaks again to the idea of accountability and leadership is when when you are showing up somewhere new and you can look at the staff and it's a whole group of white men. Yeah. You can guarantee that they are missing some dissenting opinions in the group. And Correct. and by having a diverse council around you by having people of color by having women in your leadership positions it assures that you are better able to reach the people that you are being called to reach yeah Yeah. because when when you're a group of white men especially you know around where we are in in the kansas city area 
you're going to miss out on the high populations of people of color. You're going to miss out on, uh, in a lot of ways, the women in your community because the leadership is not able to as effectively communicate with anyone outside of themselves. Well, and not only that, it can be communicated just by that to say that you will never be here. Right. We will yeah. never respect your opinion enough for you to be a leader. And, mm-hmm. and I know of plenty of churches that maybe that's just circumstance because they're very small staffs. Sure. Um, yeah. But there are certain churches I can think of that I have looked at and just been ridiculously disappointed. And um, see, for me as a white male, my thought is not... I can never be a leader there, but instead my thought is, wow, I wonder what someone else would look at this and think, wow, they would never respect my opinion enough for me to be mm-hmm. a leader here. Mm-hmm, Why would yeah. I go there if I, if I can't ever believe that? Yeah. Um, well, so, church, be better. Cam, say what you're going to say. I, I think, to an extent, this, this can be taken to another level where sometimes it's even just like advocacy for the care of women and, and society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... I just finished a, a year where my my title was Chief Interpersonal Violence Prevention Commissioner, which basically means I was in charge of programming against sexual assault, domestic abuse, and human trafficking. And the amount of people that asked me if I was gay, specifically because that was my position, because they assumed <laughs> the only people who would be advocates for those issues are either women or gay men. Like, there were no other circumstances. <laughs> People would legit ask, and they're like, oh, well, I just know you're in that position, so, like, I just thought you, like, that you might be. And I was like, that's so sad that, like, be I have Christian women asking me that question because nobody has fought for, no straight men have fought for them enough for them to think it's possible for a straight man to be in that role. And that's pathetic on so many fronts (laughs) not only have we not fought for them there are still many people still trying to throw stones at her in the street oh advocacy uh, actively fighting against them yes yeah Yeah. so not only have we not fought for them we have fought against them like this says we have made excuses for oh that crazy woman we need to get her out of here Um, Mm -hmm. oh her it's her fault why is she so loud um, women should be able to express the same emotions and charismatic leadership skills that men do um, because they are just the same human as men do. Awesome, mm-hmm. guys. Do we agree on that? I, yes. I, I think we do. I think we might. Plainside podcast seal of approval on that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Call us non Dom, because we're talking about women and leadership. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. This has been a kind of a heavy pod. A little bit. We didn't it's play. It's been kind of a heavy one, and it so I want to get silly, boys. Pounds. I want to get real silly. And last week we we opened up the silly zone <laughs> with uh with one of the things that I'm most passionate about in life, <laughs> and that is that there are three categories for any food. You have your whole foods, sure, and, and single everything objects. else is either a sandwich or a salad. And we, boy, oh boy, did, did we step we in something a there? Nerd. <laughs> Man, a lot of people were very angry. The visceral reaction that we received. These are some of my favorite like questions to just to ask and see what people think because everybody immediately has to prove it wrong. Yeah, and they can't. So that's and what we're going to talk about. And we will what the, what I don't think they understand is we will find a way to justify our way around any food you give us. Like, well, we're going to be fine. Can I point Let's out that everybody's first response that they were like, oh, I'll stump them with soup. Soup is most Which definitely is the easy. easiest. We answered it in the video. Soup is wet salad. That's all it is. <laughs> At what point? Okay. Stitch with super s- soaker me, salad. <laughs> I've got a salad in front of me. <laughs> I've got a salad in front of me in a bowl. Yeah, I start pouring Italian dressing on it, and I just and you don't, don't stop. stop. At what point does that stop being a salad and start being a soup? There's what? Do you, what's the ratio limit? It, they're all Gosh, the same. Zach, this is so good. <laughs> so let's 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 take some of our favorites that we've encountered. Um, can I start? Please, of course. Okay, so I had a lot of really good ones. <laughs> But I think my favorite was when someone tried to answer Gates Barbecue. 
Mm. And let me read you <laughs> word for word what I said, just so I make sure I get the argument right. I said, so it really depends on what you get on the menu. Obviously, most of it's sandwiches. Duh. Most of but it's the, already sandwiches. Yeah, <laughs> but the rest would either probably be salads or a whole food, right? So ribs. Let's take ribs, for example. Ribs are just meat, so that would be a whole food. It's just meat. But mm-hmm. the second you put s- sauce on there, mm-hmm. that would be classified as the dressing, therefore making ribs a, a salad. salad. Do you guys concur? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. So, Cam, what do you have? Um, somebody presented to me, and they thought this one was a tough one, um, tater tots, which are very much just a sandwich. I mean, they're very clearly a sandwich, right? Well, it depends on how they're made. They could just be a whole food. I was going to say, it, you could argue to me that a tater tot is just potatoes all smushed together. No, but because I think they're, they're breaded... If they're breaded, if they're, they're breaded, food? then it's a sandwich. It's sandwich. not even close. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. If not, it's a whole food. The it's first just one we got was mozzarella potatoes. stick, and that's the most easy sandwich of all time. Yeah. Clearly. Um, one that somebody threw at me was just pasta in general, and I said, all pasta is a salad except for ravioli and lasagna, which are clearly sandwiches. Oh, yes. I could. I don't know about lasagna. I think Lasagna's I, the easier one. It's no, already ravioli late. Ravioli, ravioli is 100% a sandwich. Oh, well, okay, then we're on the same page here. But I think pasta, I think lasagna, because you eat it with a fork, could make it a salad. It depends, I think, how good a job you do at making your lasagna. If there are mm. clearly defined layers there, I would call it a sandwich. Yeah, so... If it gets a little messy, maybe it's a salad. You're maybe right. it's a salad halfway between like the pan you get the lasagna out of and it going into your mouth. Zach, I might have told Cam this later, but I think with our relationship, I really just wanted to tell you about this lasagna food idea, but we'll save it for after the pod. Um, <laughs> okay, that's so <laughs> mysterious. So mysterious. It'll be on our Patreon. That's Perfect. you're going to hear it. Our Patreon uh, is just us talking about foods. That's all it is. <laughs> let's, let's talk about this one. Bread bowl. Bread bowl is interesting. So it depends it on how you eat it. If you pick it up and you eat it like a sandwich, <laughs> then it's clearly a sandwich. Yeah, uh, two go, things. One, it's a sandwich. Two, you are doing it wrong. Please stop <laughs> eating bread bowl. You go, to, you go to a Panera and you order a soup and a bread bowl and just pick up the whole thing and take a bite of it. They say, would you like a spoon? I say, no, please. I have hand. No. <laughs> okay, but here's the... If, you're, if you eat it at the end then what you have is a salad right up until the point when you have a sandwich. A sandwich, exactly. So there's a clear, there are several foods where it clearly is how you eat it, whether it's yep. a salad or a sandwich, bread bowl being one of them. It better mm-hmm. be a salad first. That's all I have to say. We've also discussed ice cream in the same way, that if you have ice cream in a bowl with some toppings, Correct. then you've got a salad. But if you put it in a cone, you've got a sandwich. Well, and somebody asked me, they said, what if you put no toppings on it? Nothing at all. And I said, well, one, your well, ice first cream all, is you're hyper doing a bad job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Second, I feel like that would be the equivalent of just eating like a head of lettuce in this scenario. No, because here's the yeah, thing. No, it's still eat, sugar no, 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 no. And eating cream. a bowl of ice cream is clearly the same as eating a head of lettuce. Yes. And I will not hear any dissenting opinions about it's, that statement. Because no, what is salad I, without I'm dressing not or you're wrong, toppings? But it's still a salad. It it's is a head of lettuce. Yes, I'm with you that it's a salad, even if it's just like plain vanilla ice cream. I had this conversation with someone in person, um, the great Jordan Duckworth of Church of the Four Corners. He said, what about ice cream? I said, well, it's a salad. There's multiple ingredients. You eat it with utensil. He says, it's just cream and sugar. I said, two ingredients. It's a salad. He said, well, what if it's just cream? I said, you better not be eating it. (laughs) Then it's just a bowl of cream. (laughs) Can I ask you a question, Alex? Yeah. Have you ever thought about the fact that Church of the Four Corners implies that there's a Church of the Three Corners. I don't think it does. Would it imply that? Yeah, because, I don't think it does. Because like, if there's a second church? Baptist church, is that the Illuminati? Be a is first is the Illuminati church. the Church of the Three Corners? No, but <laughs> Second Baptist is because you, there was already a first, and you're counting up. So there must have already corners. been three corners somewhere. No, Church first, of the so Four Corners all would be a three of the other corner thing. churches. <laughs> yes, there's there's the spot that's between. 
Colorado and Utah and and Wyoming and the other one that's called the Four Corners. It's not because somewhere else is the Three Corners. It's because there's four states that have corners in the same spot. Well, so that's the question. Is Church of the Four Corners implying to how many corners there are or how many churches no. of corners there are? I'm not... It's... I'm not even going to go over the whole thing because it is confusing and I'm not we're not I'm not taking a part of this podcast to promote Church of the Four Corners. I'm sure you could find it somewhere online. Well, then I'm going to go to Church of the Three Corners next week. I'm sorry. I don't think I there is one, to. Cameron. With Pastor Greg. <laughs> That's funny. Very, very funny. Okay. Here we oh go. man. Zach, you said this game was going to be a doozy. So are you ready for the greatest game show name in the history of podcast game show names and the greatest podcast game show in the history of podcast game shows, also known as Laffery with Zachary. Zachary Kuyat. Mm, that's me. And before we start this game, I have a desk fan right here behind the computer. It's okay. right over here. And uh, early, before we started, I actually took the cover off of it oh. um, and I, I did a quick paint job on the four fan blades. Ludicrous. Um, I made two of them job. amber for Church Alex. of the four fan blades. <laughs> two of them are amber for Alex and two of them are cyan for Cam. Um, so I'm just going to turn that on real quick. Okay, that's on. It's I Sorry, I, I cut the audio on it, but it's still on, I promise. Okay. I'm just going to jam my finger in there and whatever it stops on, that's who goes first. So just, just going to go real quick. Oh, Bernie okay. Sanders, we missed you. Um... <laughs> So, so there's like a lot of blood, right? It's, it's yeah, just a lot. everywhere. That's gross. Yeah, but the the fan blade that it stopped on used to be cyan. So Cam, you're going Ooh, first this week. Go Cameron, yay! I'm gonna go get seek some medical attention as soon as this is over. But this week, we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> we're playing folklore monsters, real fake yes. or fake fake. Yes. So when I started, I wanted to play a real or fake game, but then I realized if I go for folklore, they're all fake. So the distinction I am making is if this is a an actually held belief somewhere or has been a held belief in some creature at some point, or if it's something I pulled from, for example, D&D or a video game or my own brain. Um, There's one specific one the I'm hoping you say in this game, and I will let you know if you get there. I'm going to guess that I won't, but we will see. This game okay. also includes one extra wrinkle, is that you each have the um, opportunity to earn two points per question. So what I'm going to do is first, I'm just going to read you the name of this fictional creature. If you feel strongly that it is either real fake or fake fake <laughs> after just the name, you can earn two points if you're correct. If you do not feel strongly enough, I will read you a brief description of the creature in question for which you can earn one point for a correct answer. Does that all make sense? Okay, yes, will you at least Cam read... and I, we're both going to try just the name, even though it would be a lot funnier <laughs> yeah. if we used the description. But yeah, can you still, still read the description either way? Okay, yeah, good. I'm going to read them for sure, because some of these are completely wild. So I just need to talk about them for a second. So Cam, you're up first. Yeah, I am. On folklore creatures, real fake or fake fake, are you ready? I believe so. Question number one. Is the knuckle of E. Is the knuckle of E real fake or fake fake? Real fake. For sure. Cam, coming out of the gate strong on the first question, that's two points for the correct answer. The Scottish knuckle of E is a, quote, skinless centaur with a snout like a pig's that expels gusts of steam, a single enormous eye, and arms that drag upon the ground. It lives in the ocean and can kill people by breathing on them, leading them to waste away and eventually die. There's so many wild horrifying. things I want to break down about that, but the <laughs> fact that it lives in the ocean might be the most wild to me. Because it might I be real right. real. That's <laughs> true, there's some scary <laughs> stuff in the ocean, and there's... They say we know more about space than we do about the bottom of the ocean, so they, it could be down there. And um, that thing's coming up at, this year. It's true. I looked at a picture of this, well, a picture, a an artistic rendering of this thing, and it looks not so much like a centaur, but like if a person were riding a horse, 
There's like a horse head and then also a person body, but the person body's arms reach all the way to the ground. It's <laughs> it's very unsettling. Cam, uh, that was good work. Two points on the first round. Alex? Thanks, buddy. We're going over to you. The Bullywug. No, that's not real. That's, that's fake, fake. Alex, you're doing excellent work, both of you. Alex, for two points, that's a thing that is not real fake. It's fake, fake. Uh, my description of it was that a bullywug is a man-sized <laughs> frog creature that lives in the swampy marshes of Tasmania, wears scraps of rags as clothes, and carries a spear, which it uses to threaten wayward travelers into giving up shiny objects. Uh, the description would have made me say real fake. That was good. <laughs> this is all <laughs> going to rely on how good Zach is at naming and describing things that aren't real. Well, which means he's <laughs> probably going to be pretty good at it. If I've known Zach to be anything, it's that. If there's one thing I am, it's good at making stuff up and describing it well. Cam, your second question. The Jackalware. Fake, fake. Cameron Jordan, that is correct. The Jackalware, as I described it, was once an ordinary jackal in the American Southwest, bewitched by demons that can now shapeshift into either a human or a human-jackal hybrid. It also has the ability to put enemies to sleep. With an enchanting gaze. The jackalware is fake fake. Nobody even thinks that's real. Zach, I would let you know, I would watch a movie about the jackalware in a heartbeat. I would make a movie about the jackalware today. <laughs> I think that'd be great. <laughs> Alex, are you ready for your second question? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. That was so sad. Real fake or fake fake? The bunyip. That's a possessed bunion. Cam is just hitting these, so I'm going to say real fake. Alex, you are correct. The bunyip. <laughs> Swamps, rivers, and shallow inland waters across Australia are rumored to be the home of the bunyip. Of course. Now, this description is absolutely wild. A lanky, green-furred, razor-clawed creature, quote, about twice the size of the average man, with webbed hands and feet like a duck. What? So bull bull. <laughs> <laughs> he is twice the size of an average man. <laughs> and he does have webbed webbed hands. So okay, that's that true. shot is wet, so I would not doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're into the second half of the game here, Cam. Your third, your third uh, folklore God. creature. We're shooting hundred percent right now. I'm scared. This is this has been a pretty lights out game so far. Cam? Dame in the fourth. The Zburator. That is a word that starts with Z and then B. Zburator. <laughs> I'm going to go real fake. Cameron Jordan, that is correct. The Zburator is a game. winged vampire-like creature whose name means the flying thing. It's a creature from Romanian <laughs> that is mythology. That so ambiguous. Here, here's uh, just... Uh, deeply unfortunate. It resembles a handsome, dark-eyed, black-haired young man and Me. seduces young women to steal their life energy, draining their victims until they are pale, sickly wraiths. Okay, it sounds like a Doctor Who villain. villain. The Zaburator. I am the pale, sickly wraith. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, tell me if you're this one. Probably not. The Mananangal. Cam, I really wish you would have missed that last one. <laughs> the Mananangal. Alex, I'm so sorry. The Mananangal no! is real. Generally depicted as female, the Mananangal hunts for blood and human flesh by sprouting... This is horrifying. By sprouting wings and severing the upper half of its body. What? It flies with its entrails dragging along after it. Sucking the blood of sleeper, sleepers and feasting on the hearts of fetuses still in their mother's wombs using a proboscis-like tongue. Absolutely the worst thing I've ever heard of. Uh, Zach, if you had come up with that, I would have requested to put you in a mental facility today. There was something today. deeply wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. I would have 911 on, on the way. Also, I looked... When I was doing research for this, I looked at the word Mananangal for so long because it, it is spelled M-A-N-A-N-A-N-G-G-A-L. And I hated that. Mananangal. 
Are you sure you're saying it right? No, I'm not sure I'm saying any of these right. <laughs> okay. But that's what it looks like. Cool. Cam, this is your final question right here. Yeah. The Wither. Real fake. Cam, you've left the door wide open. The Wither is a creature from Minecraft, but I described it as a three-headed skeletal demon that is occasionally seen as a protector of certain small Amazonian villages from other undead entities and creatures. Mm. But that's fake fake. The Wither is just a thing that is in a video game for children. Okay, Alex, you know what you have to do here is you have to get it right without any description. It's your time to shine, and that'll send us to the bonus round. Alex. The Zugtmoy. (laughs) If you want it, that's the Zugtmoy. Z-U-G-G-T-M-O-Y. Try to, how else would you pronounce G-T-M? Zugtmoy. (laughs) Zugtmoy. No. That's not it. It sounds like Buzz Lightyear's really weird pet. Buzz Lightyear's alien dog. Zugtmoy. That's gonna be that's gonna be a real fake. Alex, I'm so sorry. The Zugtmoy is fake fake, but because you're missing the chance to read my favorite description on here, the Zugtmoy is the Russian demon queen of fungus, also known as the lady (laughs) of rot and decay. (laughs) Oh, that is so and because of the breakdown right there in the second half of the game, Cam, that makes you the winner of Folklore Creatures Real Fake or Fake Fake. You guys want to know what the bonus question was? I won't make you do it, but I want to talk about it a little bit. I'd love to. The bonus question would have been that whoever can more closely guess the animal parts that make up this creature would win the game. <laughs> because I think that's the funniest thing about some of these like fake creatures is that it's just like, I don't know, throw one of these on there, figure that out. The creature is called the catablapus. Catablapus? I'm not entirely sure. It's a, it's a caterpillar and a platypus um, and a donkey. Well, okay. The reason I picked it is because first it has wings. That's fun, right? It <laughs> also is described It's described as having a small pig's body and also a large boar's head. So it's big pig head <laughs> on small pig body with wings. So if pigs could fly but if also pigs were very disproportionately made. Very yeah, disproportionate and had very large heads. I just found that while I was looking at this and something about large boar's head on small big bo- small pig body, and that's the thing that we've invented which, for our mythology is so which funny. Which would be worse, me. that or like a small pig's head on a big boar's body? <laughs> no, too big head is way better than too small head. <laughs> it's just um, a Zach, little like pink pig with a big old angry looking face. The and one of the wings for some reason. That I really wanted you to bring up was Mothman from... Mm. The mountains of yes. West Virginia, because I heard them Muff talk about man. it on My Brother, My Brother and Me. So I was ready to nail that answer, but it never came up. No, I, I was Muff definitely man more obscure than that. <laughs> Mothman's old news. I wanted to get deep into the recesses of what <laughs> mythology can bring to us. And I'm going to be honest, thought about some of these were frightening. The term old news. Please elaborate. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know more of what you... Is it because the word Basically, news we're just has going new to say, in it? That's old. Because it can't be old news. <sighs> yeah, Alex, I get it. You just have to say, oh, that's old. Because old news is like saying, I could care less. Oh, could you really? Well, then, so then in I the same life, wouldn't new news just be repetitive? Yeah, so it's just news. And just can, old. Then instead of old news, can we start olds. just calling them olds? Yes. Olds and yeah. news. Yeah, that's Olds what I think is. Is there an in-between <laughs> somewhere <laughs> called the mediums? The mediums. Olds is And a that's salad. like, that was like a couple days ago where it's not, like some people still don't know about it, but most people do. So that's the mediums. It's like And then the olds relevant. is everybody. I like that. I like that. Guys, do we have any <laughs> other overarching thoughts and prayers? Just uh, like in know, general, or are you talking like anything specifically? 
We're talking throw into the wrap up here, and I yeah. appreciate. Come that on, Cam, take a hard downshift. Into I thought we were talking more about like Mothman or something, but all right. <laughs> um, I just I think again we we should be talking about the you know the the significance of having diversity in our leadership and being willing to look up to people that maybe some of us are not used to looking up to. Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about this album, I think that. Number one is we should be talking about women in leadership in the church. Um, and that is an idea that scares a lot of, you know, the old heads in the, the olds in go. the church, if you the will. Olds. Nice yeah. words. <laughs> and, and I think some of the uh, establishment in, in a lot of like larger organized uh, denominations of the church. But I think we, we are at a point where there's so much that is missed by not being willing to engage with female leadership in the church, and it's time to stop missing out on that. Yeah. Big facts. I'm with that. Um, I'll say, I won't say mean words. Okay. Uh, guys, this is the Plainsight Podcast. Uh, give us a review. Add us, Plainsight underscore pod, or send us an email. A formally written three-paragraph email at plainsightpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Times are in 12-point font, MLA formatted. Please cite your sources. APA format. Size 11. Get out of here with MLA. Hey, I, was a, I went to sing and dance college. I don't need your APA <laughs> format. One of my textbooks <laughs> is literally the manual for APA format. I also had that textbook last year, and I did that class online and didn't ever <laughs> open it. <laughs> I'm so proud of y'all. Uh, so, uh, everybody, peace out. Eat a sandwich. Wear a mask. <laughs> Girl Scout. <laughs> That's so stupid. He said, eat a sandwich. <laughs>